everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Well, I am reminded this week we live in a world where people don't necessarily get a whole lot of encouragement. And I just want to let you know, in case nobody has told you this week, you look marvelous. And just, just look at the person around you, beside you, in front of you, behind you, tell them, man, you look good today. I don't, you, you don't sound very encouraging to me. We're, we're going to work on that. Uh, and, and, and today, we are ready to study God's Word. And so I just want to ask you, bonjour mes amis, voici la question, est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here's the question. Are you ready to study God's Word today? The light for our paths, the guide for our lives. Thank God for His Word. And uh, today we are in week chapter 4 of this series called Overwhelmed, where we're talking about how to deal with life when the world kind of seems overwhelming. And we're going to be today in Romans chapter 11 and 12. So if you want to get a Bible or maybe search online and find Romans 11, we'll be there in just a little bit. But first, I want to tell you about when I was 19 years old, I traveled in a band, uh, a a music group. There were four guys in this group. We did concerts all around uh, the United States and Canada. We did a month-long uh, tour in, in Europe, and uh, I, I wonder today if you might like to see a picture of what I looked like at 19 years old. Now, I, I, do you even know which one I am? That's the question. Uh, the, the person with the most hair is me, ironically, uh, in that picture, and that was after I got it cut off. The year before that, it was kind of down to my uh, shoulders, but in the back there uh, with the, uh, the supermodel looks and the light blonde shirt. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to me with age, uh, but what I did get to do from 19 until the age now where I just turned 48 this month is you can notice I was trying to grow a beard and I finally got it figured out. And so uh, I'm really happy about that. But when, when we were on tour, we did a, a concert in Ocean City, Delaware. And uh, so that night we did the concert. Then the next day we had a full day, a free day at the beach on the Atlantic Ocean. We're like, this is awesome. Four guys hanging out at the beach all day long. And so uh, when I was 19, growing up, my parents had always taught me about sunscreen. Sunscreen, right? My, my father had many burns growing up as a young person here on the north shore of the Maritimes on the Northumberland Strait of the beach getting burned. And so as he got later in life, he started having skin cancers that had to be removed and, and it was really, really bad. And so he was serious about it. And he always reminded me, Joel, don't forget sunscreen. Remember sunscreen. But how old was I? 19. And I had the world figured out, right? Dad doesn't know best. I know best because we're on the way to the beach and I wanted to get a tan like all the other guys. 
And, uh, and, and, you know, by the way, at 19 years old, it's not like, hey, guys, let, let's pull over and stop at the store so that I can buy some sunscreen. And by the way, who wants to rub it on my back? <laughs> right? Awkward. No, I'm, I'm going to get a tan. But there's a problem with that plan. I am quite possibly the whitest person you have ever seen. I, my skin does three things. It, it, it turns red and burns. Then it starts to peel, and then it turns white again. That's it. Like, I am physically incapable of tanning. So I have come out with a new product that I'm going to release to the market here, the two-gallon jug of sunscreen. And uh, the, the secret here to my sunscreen is its special formula that I've come up with, SPF 150. It's like a superpower. But there is a problem with this jug of sunscreen. This is only enough for one day. A week at the beach, I need like four of these. And, uh, but I was 19, and I didn't care. I'm, I'm too cool, man. And so I went out in the sun all day long with no shirt, and I went to bed that night in pain, so much pain, as my skin burned and, and, and itched, and, and then the next day, it started to, to peel, it started to peel, and, and then, I don't know if you've ever seen one this bad, it was so bad that it turned into blisters, all over my back and on my shoulders, now fortunately, my head was covered by the beautiful blonde hair that I used to have, but, but, but these blisters were in pain and they were oozing. Would you like to see a picture? No, I'm kidding. That would be, that would be gross. But let me ask you the problem. Was, the, was, was ignorance my problem? No, I, I, I knew about sunscreen. My parents had taught me well. Was poverty my problem. No, I, I mean, I was a poor university student, but I could at least afford a little tube of sunscreen. Was lack of access my problem? No, I, I could have stopped at any store and found what I needed. Catch this. My problem was not lack of access. It was lack of application. You see, I had, I had access to the solution, but I failed to apply it. And I got burned not just once, but many times as I was growing up because I had not learned my lesson, maybe until that very day. And I sure hope I don't end up with skin cancer like my father. And here's what I've learned that many of us here today have also been burned by this world. Maybe you have experienced hurt, you've had problems, you've been overwhelmed by great difficulty, and for some, maybe it's a bad habit, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's, it's a bad choice that you made and, and you're having to pay the price, maybe it was somebody who hurt you, and we all know what it's like to be burned by this world. And so here's what is true about sunscreen, and it is true about life. Here's the big idea for today. Perry Noble says that information plus application equals transformation. Let's everybody say that together. Help me out all together. Everybody at home, help us out. Here we go. 
Information plus application equals transformation. And folks, this is true about sunscreen and it is true about life. That, that many times the suffering we experience in our lives is simply because we have not applied that which we already know. Let, let me say it again. Many times our suffering is because we have not applied what we already know. Now, maybe I did not understand sunscreen like at a scientific level when it comes to you know, SPF numbers and, and UV rays. And, but here's what I did know. I knew that it worked if I would have used it. And this changed vacations for me from that point on. I mean, I, I probably hadn't quite learned my lesson in my early 20s because my wife got really frustrated because I, through those teenage years, had developed, especially on that day that I told you about, a distaste for the beach. I didn't like going to the beach. I didn't like going to the pool. I didn't like doing outdoor summer stuff because for me, it had always been associated with pain and suffering. But then I married a smart woman who made me start to do what I know I should do. And all of a sudden, now I love the beach when I started applying what I, what I knew and it changed my life. Again, information plus application equals what? Transformation. And what was my problem? It was not a lack of information. My problem was what? A lack of application. And friends, this is also true with Jesus and the Word of God. When you get exposed to God's Word, when you begin to learn the, the truth and the principles of Scripture and you begin to apply His guidelines to your life and, and your choices and, and to your priorities and your relationships and your sexuality and your, and your finances and your career and your, your, your lifestyle, it starts to look like this. Consistent. It starts to look like this. Consistent application of the Bible's God-given information will bring transformation to your life. That's a good one. Will you help me out? Come on, let's say it together. Here we go. Consistent application of the Bible's God-given information will bring transformation to your life. Can we get an amen? Okay, now, what information are we talking about, though? Well, let's talk about prayer. There, there are these little prayers that we teach kids when they're growing up. And uh, I, I don't know if, you, if you know, in other cultures, we have people here at Moncton Wesleyan and those of you who are online who are from around the world. But I know that many of us who grew up in Canada and, and in the United States learned these little childhood prayers. Uh, one was a bedtime prayer and the other was a mealtime prayer. What is the bedtime prayer? The bedtime prayer is actually pretty scary. In fact, it's downright terrifying. Are you ready? Here we go. Say it with me. Everybody say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That is terrifying. Hope you don't die tonight, kid. No wonder kids have nightmares. And then we turn off the lights and, and we say, oh yeah, and sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Why not also say, and there are monsters under the, under the bed so that the kid never sleeps again. 
Okay. Some students pray this way. Some students at school pray, now I lay me down to study. I pray the Lord I don't go nutty. And if I fail to learn this junk, I pray the Lord I do not flunk. And if I die, don't bury me at all. Just lay my bones in the study hall and pile my books upon my chest and tell my profs I did my best. So I lay me down to rest. I pray I pass tomorrow's test. And if I die before I wake, that's one less test I'll have to take. Amen. But see, here's the one that I really appreciate. The one I really appreciate is the the mealtime prayer. And I didn't appreciate it growing up. I didn't appreciate it really until I began to see how powerful and biblical this this really is. Let's say it together. Many kids sit down and pray at a meal. Here we go. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. And that is so simple because it teaches us two profound things about God. That he is what? That God is great and that God is good. And that is a profound theological statement because when you learn that God is great, when it comes to his word and his ways and his power, that God is overwhelmingly great. His beauty and power is more than we could possibly imagine. And that God is good that he is so much better than we realize. He is supremely good, and his ways are better than our ways, and his thoughts are better than our thoughts, and his plans are, are better than our plans. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture today, beginning in Romans 11, verse 33. Now, as we get ready to read this, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because really it unpacks and explains to us the God is great, God is good prayer. We're going to see that here in these these verses. Let's read it out loud together. Everybody here and those online, wherever you are right now, read it out loud with us. Here we go. Romans 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And so it starts with God is great. It speaks of his his wisdom and his knowledge and his ways and his mind. And it says, who are we to tell God what to do because he is so great? But he is also good, which is what we see next. Let's read together, beginning in verse 35. Here we go, everybody together at home and in the room. It says in verse 35, Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. In other words, it's not as if God needs you to make his life better. He doesn't owe you anything. You don't deserve anything from God, but he gives and cares and he guides and provides and loves simply because he is good. And it's overwhelming when you begin to understand the greatness and the goodness of God. But here's the problem. 
You see, so often we get this formula that we talked about earlier mixed up, and we mistakenly think that information will lead to transformation. You know, if we could just learn more about God, the more you know about God, the more you know, the more you grow. But here's the problem, and here's, here's, here's what happens. We as churches then become just purveyors of information. But the problem is that, that information does not have the power to change you. Knowledge cannot transform you. There are educated people I know. There are brilliant people I know who have been to school for years and they can tell you anything about everything and yet they make stupid choices on a regular basis. Am I right? Can you think, you're, don't say any names out loud, but you're thinking of people right now who you know, who seem brilliant, they're educated, they know so much and yet... In many ways, many times, the decisions they make seem so foolish. Why? Because information is never enough. The hard part is application. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do. In other words, in the old language, it's often said, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. You must do what it says, because otherwise, James says, otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So listen, many Christians get burned. We get burned because we don't apply what we know about God's truth. We don't apply so often what we know about God's word. And we follow our feelings rather than our faith. And, and, and I know all about sunscreen, right? I, I didn't need to learn about sunscreen that day. The problem was I just didn't feel like putting it on. And because I followed my feelings rather than what I knew to be true, I ended up getting burned. Uh, I, I, I remember when Tracy and I were, uh, were first married 26 years ago, which is hard to imagine because she only looks like 35, I know. Uh, but uh, we were married 26 years ago, and right out of university at 21 years old, I got my first big job, and I had to wear a suit to work. And I needed suits because I only had one, and I had to wear them all the time now. And so uh, we went to the department store to buy two suits, and we were in Little Marion, Indiana, and there wasn't a lot of options uh, there to get a suit tailored, and it was kind of expensive, and we didn't have any money, and so we put two suits on the credit card, $500. Now, that was 26 years ago in American dollars. So if you convert that to Canadian dollars and then go back like 26 years ago, that was like $1,000, right, that we put on the credit card in today's money, Canadian. And you're like, oh, no, Joel, that's not smart. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Go, don't go into credit card debt, because what is debt? Debt is spending money you do not yet have. 
because you believe it will come. And I had good reason to believe that it would come because the reason we did that, the reason we did that was because we had just sold a car to a friend. And that friend had enough money for us to sign over the title, but he still owed us on the car how much? $500. And so we went ahead and put it on the credit card because we thought, well, he's, he's going to pay us off, he said, by the end of this week. And the end of the week came, and we had the $500 on the credit card for the suits. And the end of the week came, and he said, sorry, I, I, I don't have the money. Something happened. And I'll get it to you next week. And the end of the next week came. And what did he say? I'm sorry, I don't have it. And I'll, I'll get it to you later. And, and the next week after that, and the week after that, and we started making what little payments we could with the little to no money that we had. And years later, he still had not yet paid it off. But we were still paying. Because you know what happens when you pay a minimum on a credit card with 20% interest, right? That you pay this much and the debt keeps growing and you keep trying to pay. And, and when it was all said and done, we probably paid like $1,000 for those stupid suits. That's why I don't like wearing a suit to this day. It was bad mojo, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and when it was all said and done, in today's money, it probably cost us like $1,500 for suits I didn't like anyway. <laughs> So let me ask you, how many of you think credit card debt is a good idea? Anybody? No, nobody, right? You know it, Tracy knew it, I knew it, and 99% of the time we made good choices regarding debt. Don't spend money you don't have. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. We knew it, but the problem is just this one time, like one day without sunscreen, just this one time, we made a choice that burned us and caused us years of pain. I have so many friends who have messed up in their lives and everything seemed to be going great and they were making good choices and experiencing the benefits and then all of a sudden, one day, something came along and they made one bad choice. Just, just one weak moment, one bad decision, and it ruined their marriage. It, it ruined their reputation. It ruined their career. It ruined their finances. And so we've been in Romans chapter 11 talking about how God is great and God is good. Now let's look at the next chapter as we keep going into the next verse. It flows right into Romans 12 verse 1. And here we move from information about God to application. What do we do about it in our lives? Romans 12 verse 1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. 
So what makes us holy and pleasing to God when we are a living sacrifice? Now let's talk about those two words for a minute because this is really unusual. This is one of the few places, I don't know, it might be the only place. This is one of the few places in all of scripture where you find those two words together, living and sacrifice. Because whenever you find the word sacrifice in the Bible, Usually, a sacrifice, like in the Old Testament, is what? A sacrifice is something that, an animal that you put on the altar, it is killed, and then burned up, right? So a sacrifice is something that you kill and burn. But here, it says that we are to be a living sacrifice, Now, what's the problem with a living sacrifice? We've said this before around here. The problem with a living sacrifice, when you put a living sacrifice on the altar, it has a, a, a tendency to crawl off. The problem with living sacrifices is that we tend to crawl off the altar, right? How often do we say, here, God, this is yours. And then the next month, we take it back and say, oops, I still want some of it back. Right? God, my life is yours today. I'm on your altar. But then something comes along, and I want things my way more than I want things God's way and just this once, I'm going to crawl off the altar. See, that, that's, that's the challenge with being a living sacrifice. See, to be a living sacrifice means, listen, that it's a choice that you have to make every single day to stay on the altar. To stay on the altar. Listen, listen, every day I get out of bed and I have to say, Lord, I am reminded today that this life is not mine. It is yours. Lord, this this house is not mine. It's yours. This car that you've given me, it's, it's not mine, Lord. It's yours for whatever you want. This family that you have entrusted to me, I love them, Lord. They're my responsibility. I'd do anything for them, but ultimately, I know these kids are not mine. They are yours, God. This marriage is not mine. It's yours. My family is yours. My bank account, Lord. I've worked hard, but I know it's not mine. It's all yours. Lord, these talents and these gifts and these abilities that you've given me and people look and say oh man you're pretty good at all that and I and I take hold of it and I want to say yeah I am pretty good I I think I'm a good person but I'm reminded God that that is wrong that that's sinful when I take your glory and hold on to it for myself because I am a living sacrifice everything I am and everything I have is yours and this becomes something that I have to remember and apply every single day of my life as a living sacrifice because just one moment where I forget just one moment and I get burned with pain and suffering that can last for years to come because one more time information plus application equals what 
transformation. Watch this. The rest of this verse, Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a what? As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then verse 3. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Be transformed. Because information plus application equals what? Transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is God's plan for you? It is good. His will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. But we have to keep something in mind, too. Look at the top of that verse. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Here's what that means. You have to understand that the world has a plan for your life as well. There's God's plan, and there's the world's plan. And often the world's plan, its pattern is to lead you away from, from God's pattern, to trick you and confuse you and overwhelm you and trap you. And so we get, we get overwhelmed by all the problems in the world and, and overwhelmed by all the challenges and all the questions that we don't seem to have answers to and all the things that we wrestle with, with Bible questions and, and, and government questions. Oh, Lord, what in the world is going on with our government? And, and science questions and, and COVID and, and vaccine questions and philosophy questions and all these things that, that people are fighting about in the world and we don't know what to think or what to understand. And listen, I have spent a good part of my life wrestling with biblical and philosophical and, and theological questions trying to understand this stuff. But here's the conviction that I have come to. That if I would maybe focus less on all the stuff that I don't understand and start applying what I already do. You see, so often my questions, here's what I found, is so often my questions that I, I feel like are sincere. And I'm not saying questions are wrong. Study to make yourself approved is what Scripture says. I'm not telling you don't study. I'm not telling you don't ask questions. Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. So often what I found in my life is that those questions are often distraction tactics to keep me from doing what I already do know. What if we would take God's word and simply start applying and, and, and living out what we already know would probably be enough to transform our lives. See, it's not the more you know, the more you grow. It's the more you practice what you know the more you grow and so our heavenly father today Lord today we recognize and acknowledge that so often in our lives as even as Christians, as those who are trying to live out our faith, who are trying to live as a, as a living sacrifice before you, how easy it is for us to crawl off the altar, how easy it is for us to, to offer ourselves to you, but then want to keep parts back.
and to follow the world's ways rather than, than your ways. And we become overwhelmed by all the things in the world that we, we can't change, as we've been talking about in this series, rather than focusing on what we can change. And that's me. I can change me. I can surrender me. I can give you me. And for anybody here in this room today, anybody with us online today who has never made that decision to, to surrender their lives to you, to trust in Jesus who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have new life through Jesus, so that we can be saved from the punishment we deserve and welcomed into your family. Lord, anything we've been holding back from you today, we just confess. Just anything God speaks to you today, confess. As we make the decision each and every day to follow you step by step, day by day, moment by moment. Thank you for how you have promised to lead us, our great God, our good God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.